Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about an old-timey Meghan Markle. And I'll be talking about a possession. Oh. New by Calvin Klein. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like (laughs) yeah, like some troublingly thin woman is like rolling around in a bit position. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, me right now. Yeah, after I ate all that pasta. (laughs) Everyone, Brandy. (laughs) What? Tell them what happened, Brandy. I had a delicious piece of bread. Mm -hmm. I had. Very, like diligently put the exact right amount of butter on it. I it was like watching time. Monet at work. Was, I mean, really. And then I went to take a bite of it, and I dropped it on the fucking floor. <laughs> you should have seen the disappointment on her face. <laughs> she was in the middle of telling a story. She had buttered that thing to perfection. Perfection. So then she was stuck with the butt of the bread, which mm, wasn't a good. Some people call good. it the heel, but <laughs> it was not pretty good. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Then you had to deal with me laughing at you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I also had to pick up my bread off the floor. <laughs> Quite good of you. Quite good of you. You didn't have to eat it though. That's I didn't the- eat it. <laughs> Listen. After last week's episode, David thought I really got my <laughs> vag rejuvenated over the break. As if we took a break so that I could go get my vag rejuvenated. Which, like, would it really take a month to rejuvenate? Well, I guess it depends Maybe on the vag. Maybe it would. How, how loose was your vag before? Well, I mean, it's still the same. Like, there's <laughs> there's been no actual change. So, so David heard the new episode, last week's episode, uh-huh. and he came <laughs> He had, like, listened to it during the day at work, and he came downstairs last night, and he was like, hey, uh, did Kristen really get something done to her vagina? (laughs) I just started laughing. I was like, no, of course not. And he was like, well, you were very convincing. (laughs) The truth is, I got it vajazzled. Remember when that was a thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, you get a fancy haircut and you dye it colors and put some jewels on we there. We both saw Real Sex. <laughs> Seen that episode of Real yeah, Sex. Yeah, we know all. Ask us anything. <laughs> when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right. All right. You know what we got to do now? What? We got to plug our own business. That that sounds like... I'm sorry. That's... (laughs) Brandy, get your Diva Cup and plug your own business. You still have not tried the Diva Cup, correct? No, uh, you I don't, can't do it. 
there are so many things you say you can't do. Everyone, I wanted Brandy to accompany me to a vegan restaurant. You 100% knew there was not a chance in hell I no, was No, I didn't. There. No, I didn't. I was really like, maybe maybe if I'm like, come on, it's okay, one yeah, time. If you were like, please, would you please? I would go, and I told you what I'd order. That smoothie. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that if I said to you, please, please, will you go, you would go? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next week for lunch. Brandy, please, please, will you go and will you order an entree? Smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) Will you order an entree and whatever you? Yeah, everything has cashew cheese on it. It's not bad. I know you're not saying it's delicious. Listen, I've got five yoga classes (laughs) under my belt, and I am full hippy dippy. That's what's happened. Anyway, this was all. Yeah, we're supposed to be talking about our Patreon. We sure are. So, (laughs) you know what? Mm-hmm. We've done some real exciting things on Patreon lately. Have we? Mostly just like normal stuff. Like <laughs> we did a bonus episode. Our bonus episode, quite good. Yeah. Meaty um, boy as well. Well over two hours. Well over two hours. You want to hear about a hate crime where a white guy gets it. And <laughs> if that's your thing, that's what I covered. <laughs> this, is, this is not very good. <laughs> well, I, you you have to admit that's unique. Yeah, a hate crime where the white guy gets you're it. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> if you're looking for something a little different. Oh, I really want to mix it up with some, your hate crime. Some cashew cheese. <laughs> yes, this is a cashew cheese of hate crimes. <laughs> and what did you cover, Brandy? I don't remember. Are you serious? Anyway, Brandy covered a mystery case. It was case. very good. Mm, what was it? I don't remember either. <laughs> I was trying to make fun of you. I seriously have no, um, no memory. It was a murder. I mean, odds are, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, was it a murder or was it a hit and run? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. one of these. One of these. One of those murders with a question mark mm-hmm. at the end. Except there's no question mark. It was for mm-hmm. sure a murder. Exclamation point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, ruin that. Also, we've started doing Zoom hangout. Live hangout. $5 level. You get the bonus episodes. Right. You get into the Discord to chat the day away. If you want in on the Zoom hangouts, that's $7 yeah, be at a level. The $7 mm-hmm. level. You got to mm-hmm. pony up the cash. Yeah. With that, though, you get a sticker, you get our autographs, you get inducted on this very podcast. And then at the $10 level. I was going to say, if all that's not enough for you, and it's probably not, got the Bob Moss <laughs> level. That entitles you. Yes, you. <laughs> You get our episodes. What What do you get? You get them a oh day early God. and you get them ad free. Also 10%, 10% off, off merch. merch. Man, man, this, <laughs> we're a little rusty, as they say. Rusty Coots. What? Oh, yeah, that's, that's the guy's the first, name. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Base coach it was like, what? of the Royals. Yeah. I was like, what'd you call me? It's spelled like cunts, guys. <laughs> but it's pronounced Coots, I swear. Mm-hmm. Do you get it? You get it? Everybody get it? Everybody picking up what I'm putting down? Right, tell us about an old-timey Meghan Markle. Do you know anything about this? No. I'm very excited. No, and you called dibs on it like I was supposed to know what the fuck it was. And I was just like, yeah, cool. Um, Do you think I know what the... You've got your like <laughs> douchebag white murder guys and you say their names as if like we know them like they're presidents or something. <laughs> anyway... A huge thank you to PM Weeks for suggesting this case in the Discord. Old-timey disclaimer. 
also. We don't normally do trigger warnings, but I'm making an exception here just because this involves like a super rich, super privileged white guy marrying a biracial woman. And I'd hate for any members of the royal family to be casually listening to this podcast and get triggered. (laughs) Wonderful. So, Charles, (laughs) if you're listening, and we know you are. Obviously. Huge fan of the podcast. uh, Please fast forward to Brandy's case. (laughs) Also, I feel I should tell you that when PM Weeks suggested this case, she called it American kind of Meghan Markle energy old-timey edition, and she is right, so that's what we're going with. Also, when she suggested it, she was just very casually like, oh, you know, I I did a YouTube video about this. I thought it was interesting. Maybe you'd like to do... Didn't name her channel. Didn't give any more details, but you know what I have? Google. I have a Google machine, Brandy. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit. Here we go. She has a YouTube channel. I subscribed. I thought it was really good, where she talks about, quote, Pop culture, race, feminism, and other social issues with a lot of nuance and profanity. That sounds amazing. Uh, it is. The channel is Melina Pendulum, and she's also on Patreon at patreon.com slash princessweeks. There's an extra E in there. W-E-E-K-E-S. Anyway, she didn't ask for the shout-outs, but too damn bad. Melina. We're giving them anyway. Yeah. PM Weeks. And if you really want to... Get her real mad. Go and support her on Patreon. That's right. Subscribe to her Patreon, okay? Mm. Also, shout outs to an NPR article by Theodore Johnson III. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And article in The Atlantic by Angela Onwachi Willig. Oh, hang on. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Hold up. By Angela Onwachi Willig, I think. Okay. And Wikipedia. Excellent. The year was 1686. What? And Philip Jacob Rhinelander emigrated to New York. Why do you have that face? 1686? Is it too old-timey for you? It's very (laughs) old-timey. Just hang in there, buddy. (laughs) And you know something? Philip, he was a business cat. He bought up property, and his family built ships, and they started a real estate company, and the money piled up, and their status skyrocketed. Soon, the Rhinelander name was on the tips of everyone's unscraped tongues. What does that mean? You don't have a tongue scraper? Oh, like brushing your teeth. Okay, I get it. No, it's not brushing. It's yeah, like it's a, a tongue. Mo- yeah, you do that. Do you think they did that back in the day? No, I'm I don't sure think they, they did, did I don't either. Think they brushed their teeth. Oh, they had to do something. Maybe they didn't. Mm. I don't think dental hygiene was quite as popular as it is these days. I agree. It's it's (laughs) gone up real popular, like the keto diet, you know? (laughs) As the generations passed, the Rhinelanders were always in the room where it happened. One of them married a Hamilton. One of them became president of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Oh, dang. One of them served as an officer under General George Washington. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Here comes the general. (laughs) Rise up. (laughs) Okay, little known fact, George Washington actually later became president of the United States of America. His teeth were made of wood because he didn't have a tongue scraper. (laughs) Another fun fact, the United States of America is where we are located right now. <laughs> that is a fun fact. A lot of people get the majority of their education from this from podcast. From this podcast. 
<laughs> those people are uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little story about what a big deal the Rhinelanders were. Do you hear that? Is that the rain? Yeah, it's pouring outside, I think. I was afraid it was like... Feedback? No, I'm pretty sure that's the rain. I mean, oh, yeah, have you ever seen the rain? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> have you ever seen, seen the, the rain? rain? Okay. Here's a little story about what a big deal the Rhinelanders were. In the late 1800s, Pelican Rapids, Wisconsin, changed its name to Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Well, I mean, it's easier to say than Pelican Rapids. <laughs> now, you may be asking yourself, Brandy, why the hell did they do that? They were in Wisconsin. The Rhinelanders were in New York. They had no real connection to Wisconsin. They didn't summer in Wisconsin. Well, I guess me. I, I don't know. <laughs> Brandy, we don't even know if they enjoyed a good hard cheddar. <laughs> but none of that mattered. The reason the people of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, changed their name to Rhinelander was just in the hope that Friedrich Rhinelander, who was then the president of like Milwaukee, Lakeshore, and Western Railroad, whatever, would be like, oh my God, you guys changed your town's name to my name? I'm so flattered. Thank you so much. You know what? I think I'll extend my railroad to your town. And eventually he did. I think that's a good tactic. I knew you would think that. Okay. Okay. When <laughs> I tell you a little story. Okay. <laughs> About when Google was trying to figure out where they were going to do their Google Fiber test. Okay. Where were they going to put in this innovative new internet that they had come up with? Mm-hmm. In the running was a little town called Topeka, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they did? What, changed their name for one changed day? Changed their name to Google for a day. <laughs> okay. I knew you would tell that story. <laughs> And, you know, you're actually the first one to tell me the Rhinelander story. What? Yeah, you told me this story like a million years ago. What? Okay, I could have sworn you told me this story like in 2001, and that's the reason why in 2001 you changed the name of your vagina to Lance Bass. Stop it. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Just in the hopes that Lance Bass would extend his penis into my vagina? Did you write that down in there? Yes. <laughs> I When you started talking about fucking Google and Topeka, I was like, oh no, how do I get back? How do I get back? How do I get back? <laughs> Here's the truth. I thought of that joke yesterday and I laughed so hard. I thought of it to get, again today and I laughed so hard again. And I thought, honestly, if we ever get to do a live show and I come up with something like that, I will jump off stage and give high fives to everyone in the audience because they will want to. They'll be like, that was amazing. <laughs> Randy's vagina. <laughs> when you go in for a wax, will you please say you want to wax your Lance Bass? Just here to get my Lance Bass waxed. Anyway, but Rylander, Wisconsin has very little to do with the case at hand, so I wish you'd start bringing it up. <laughs> The point is that the Rhinelanders were a big deal. They were American royalty. But with great power comes great responsibility. And that's a quote that I made up to describe this situation <laughs> where people had all the money in the world, all the connections, but also, unfortunately, 
all the sticks jammed right up <laughs> their tight little bee holes. <laughs> and it was this exact situation with splinters breaking off into the Rhinelander family's balloon knots that Leonard Kip <laughs> Rhinelander was born. <laughs> The look on your face was as if someone splintered your balloon knot. <laughs> and you said, careful, don't get too close to Lance, <laughs> Lance Bass. Bass. <laughs> Kip was born in 1903 to Adelaide and Philip Rhinelander. And <laughs> there's no easy way to say this. Um, okay, hang on. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Adelaide tragically died on September 11th, 1915, when an alcohol lamp exploded in her bedroom. Wow. Never forget. <laughs> okay, I don't... Sounds I'll... like an inside job, if you ask. <laughs> <laughs> that lamp was made with steel beams. <laughs> okay, but for real, an alcohol lamp? <laughs> what is that? Like an oil lamp, I guess. I'm alcohol. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I'm not a very smart man, but I could tell you, you don't want to have an alcohol lamp any more than you want to have a paper lamp, yeah. right? <laughs> anyway, years passed. Kip was very shy. In fact, he was so shy and had such a severe stutter that when he was about 18, he went to the orchard school in Stamford, Connecticut, which was basically just an inpatient clinic where he would work on becoming an extrovert and speaking with all the eloquence of a really hot podcaster. Mm. Mm. Stop talking about me like that. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) But while he was there, in the fall of 1921, something unexpected happened. Kip fell in love. Mm. He fell in love with a woman named Alice Beatrice Jones. And you may be thinking, oh, love. Love is nice. Everyone deserves love. Good for them. But you're wrong because there's something you should know about Alice. (laughs) What? She was black? Hold on, hold on, hold on, because we're just going to ease right into this, okay? Okay, Okay, everybody get comfortable. Alice came from the type of family and I'll go slow because not many people can relate to this where they would get up every day and they would go to work oh okay and the, yeah I know it's horrible you see they worked for a living they were working class oh no disgusting oh the humanity but wait there's more oh no Also, she wasn't white. Oh, no. (laughs) Her mom was white and her dad was of mixed race. So, are we all scandalized? Yes, (laughs) heavily scandalized. She was just like a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Alice worked as a chambermaid and she was a woman of color and Kip was a super wealthy white guy. With a Hitler mustache, but this was like before Hitler went and ruined that look, so we shouldn't judge too much. Question for you. Yeah. Are there any facial hairstyles or just styles in general that you wish like a terrible person would wear and then no one can wear them again? Um, hmm. 
Gosh. Because you think about that. Hitler did that, and now nobody's wearing that. You can't do the toothbrush mustache anymore. Also, it's a terrible look, so I'm glad. It is. Yeah, nobody calls it the Chaplin mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Sure don't. (laughs) Chaplin famously hated Hitler. (laughs) Good thing to be known for. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but let's, you know, okay. For me, soul patch. Oh, yeah. Can we get a dictator with a soul patch? <laughs> just throwing it out there to anybody who's Whenever listening. anybody says dictator, I just picture a potato shaped like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> now you've ruined that word for me. Dictator. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Because how often is it that you're like, hey, don't say that about that guy. He was a good dictator. No. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Never. Okay. So, he had the Hitler stash, yeah. but we'll set judgment aside mm-hmm. and just leave all the judgment to the Rhinelander family. Don't worry. They're great at it. Okay. As soon as Kip's father, Philip, found out about Kip's relationship with Alice, Philip lost his shit but in a really cool, dignified way. mm -hmm, I'm sure. Philip went to Kip and was like, Hey, son, I've got a great idea. Possibly my greatest idea yet. Why don't you go on a trip? A nice vacay. Haven't you always wanted to go to Bermuda? For like two years? No. (laughs) So Philip sent Kip on a, like, two-year-long chaperone trip, just like circling the globe, hoping that Kip and Alice would eventually break up. But they didn't. Wow. They stayed in contact. They wrote letters. They were in love. So Philip gave up. He was like, fine, love is love. I get it now. No, he didn't. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hilarious joke. (laughs) Instead, after that trip ended, he was like, you know what, Kip? I'm going to send you to a private school in Arizona. But that didn't kill the relationship either. They kept writing letters. They fell deeper in love. And finally, when Kip turned 21, he got a payout from his trust fund. Relatable. (laughs) And he was like, fuck Arizona. And he moved back to New York to be with Alice. By this point, he and Alice had been dating for like three years. They knew they wanted to get married, but they also knew the risks that were Mm -hmm. involved. Kip's family didn't approve um, on account of all the sticks up their butts. And in all likelihood, neither would the general public on account of the sticks up their butts. Also, okay, some accounts say that Alice's dad also warned against it. But it was more like, I'm concerned about my daughter. I'm concerned she will never be accepted into this family. You know, all that stuff. But Alice and Kip didn't want to let other people's opinions run their lives. So on October 14th, 1924, Kip and Alice got married in a super hush-hush ceremony at City Hall. I really struggled over that. <laughs> hush-hush ceremony. Hush-hush. <laughs> Kip didn't tell his family he'd gotten married. Have you ever met anyone who does this? I knew someone once who really? got married, didn't tell her family. <gasps> no. I, mean, I don't think I've ever known anybody who did mm-hmm. that. It's a wild time. Okay. It is a wild time. See, now, that that was so lame to bring up because I can't tell the story, obviously. Right, obviously. <laughs> anyway, mm, that's why you tune in. Great stories like that. Sorry, everyone. 
There was no engagement announcement, no wedding announcement. And of course, under normal circumstances, when a Rhinelander got married, all the newspapers would have run big stories. This would have been huge news. American royalty was getting married. You guys hearing this thunder? Yeah, that was thunder. We only record when it storms now, apparently. <laughs> okay, but I kind of hate to mention the weather because it seems like the one time we ignore it, every then you can hear it and people are like, yeah. what's that? The one yeah. time we mention it, we sound like hear anything. not so. <laughs> But Kip and Alice didn't want to open their relationship up to public scrutiny. They paid reporters not to write about their wedding. Wow. They laid low. They planned to move to New Rochelle. Or New Rochelle. What the fuck is that? It's in New York. Okay. It's where the fancy people were living. (laughs) People. (laughs) Fancy people. Different from people. Yeah, they're so fancy they get an extra. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. In the meantime, they moved in with Alice's parents in their modest home. So Kip and Alice were, like, just starting their life together. You look so sad right now. Are you going to be okay? No, I'm good. Okay, okay. But people talked. Word got out about their marriage. Soon a reporter from the New Rochelle Standard Star began looking into the story. The reporter discovered that Alice wasn't white. Yeah. Oh, big news, Brandy, big news. Oh, no. The Rhinelanders tried threatening the newspaper's editor, but the threats didn't work. And about a month after Kip and Alice got married, the newspaper printed a front-page story under the headline, Rhinelander's son marries daughter of colored man. Mm. Instantly, reporters swarmed the home. Yeah. There was this obsession with Alice's race and her father George's race. What were they exactly? Human beings? Eh, Wrong. (laughs) That's not the answer we're looking for. We needed to know exactly what was going on race-wise. Was George West Indian? Was he black? And if so, how black was he exactly? Like, give me the fraction so I can run it in the paper. Oh, my goodness. At the time, there were all kinds of terms for defining exactly how black a person was. Were they mulatto, a quadroon, an octoroon? Wouldn't it be great if these were all the names of fancy cookies instead of stupid racist terms? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. By the way, I don't plan to define any of these terms because they're deeply stupid, but I'm including them to give a sense of like, the obsession with, like, categorizing and labeling people. So the sort of funny thing, and by funny, I mean not at all, (laughs) is that for all this talk about, like, race fractions, none of it really mattered. Because around this time, white douchebags and really, like, the entire justice system were very much in love with the one-drop rule. The fuck is that? Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, it's the rule that if you have one drop of colored blood, you know, obviously air quotes, everyone, then you are black. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that make everyone black? Yeah. One drop? One drop? So anyway. (laughs) P.S. This all comes from a Wikipedia series on discrimination. Yeah, (laughs) shocking. You can imagine. (laughs) 
So, any hoodle. Some newspapers were like, OMG, Kip Rhinelander married a black woman. But other newspapers were a little more sneaky with it because that was such a serious charge. They didn't come out and state what they thought Alice's race was, but they did other things like say, oh, her dad is a cab driver. Her uncle's a butler. She was a nanny. Which is a little like saying, we're not going to tell you Kristen's race, but we can say that she can't dance. She drives a Subaru and her dad wears bright white $15 tennis shoes. (laughs) So you tell me. (laughs) By the way, I thought I'd have to think really hard about like, what are the white things that I do? (laughs) Everything. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) So you get the idea. This story was like scandalous. So I've struggled with what terms to use here. Mm -hmm. I'm using colored some just because that was the word that was often used at the time. Mm -hmm. It just gets gross and dicey and all that stuff. So bear bear with me, basically. So this stuff all comes... Good thing racism is no longer an issue. No kidding. (laughs) Cut that all squared away. That's right. (laughs) You listen to Lindsey Graham racism. Not a problem in America. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. Nope. When does he think we wrap that up? (laughs) Has that fella seen the news? (laughs) So, you know, all this stuff comes out and Kip stayed strong. He was like, this is bullshit. I love my wife. Please leave us alone. But then things changed. Two weeks after the story broke... Kip Rhinelander turned out to be nothing more than a bag of trail mix filled with just dried fruit and M&Ms. Oh, no. He was not less brandy. <laughs> not less. Turns out his daddy was still really upset about Kip's marriage. All his rich friends knew about it. It was in all the papers. By Philip's estimation, Kip had just taken a big steamy dump on the Rhinelander name. Mm. So Philip told Kip... <laughs> Nothing. (laughs) You're so eloquent. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I am the Grace Kelly of podcasting. That's what they say. I have heard Mm -hmm. that. So Philip told Kim. you. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't end this, I'm going to disinherit you. Oh, wow. And he was like, well, it's uh, it's been real nice. Alice, glad we could. uh, It's been these lovely few days married to each other i fucking hate this and i'm out <laughs> mm-hmm. wow it gets worse oh, don't worry it gets worse oh, hang in there it gets worse <laughs> philip didn't just want kip to end his marriage he wanted the marriage erased he wanted it to have never happened mm-hmm. so he had his lawyers draw papers for the marriage to be annulled mm-hmm What do you think of annulments? Well, I think, like, fucking, yeah, you can't just erase life. No, I agree. (laughs) Now, if it's like, oh, we got drunk in Vegas, yeah, 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 Brittany, and all that. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'm sorry, these Catholic folks who've been married for 20 years, oh, annulled? No, I don't know, man. And, like, uh, this guy was in a relationship. He managed to keep up a relationship Mm -hmm. with her while he was traveling the Mm -hmm. globe. Yeah. Steamy, creamy, creamy bullshit. bullshit. In this document, the lawyers argued that poor little Kip had been deceived by a deceitful, deceiving colored woman who was passing as white. 
She had tricked him, Brandy, because she was after his money, and he never would have married her if he'd known she wasn't white. And like a nutless little fuck, Kip signed the papers. I hate... Okay, a lot of sources are really nice to him. I'm sure he had a tough time, but not as tough a time as Alice. Yeah. So he's just a bag of trail mix. Yeah. With just dried fruit and M&Ms, if you ask me. What? I mean, you could pick out the M&Ms at least. <laughs> he should be a bag of a bag of trail mix without M&Ms, mm-hmm. just dried fruit. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> Useless. Ew. And those little carrot squares. <laughs> Nobody fucking wants those. Filler. <laughs> All the filler. This must have been devastating for Alice, but she didn't crumble. She looked herself in the mirror and she said, Let's go to court. And so the court battle over whether their marriage could be annulled began. No, it fucking can't because this wasn't like an accidental oops thing. Yes, it was. No. Hold on, Brandy. No. She tricked him. No. She tricked him. He fucking lived with her family. You never saw her dad? He's very dumb. He's very dim-witted, very socially. (laughs) This was the argument. He's stupid. Ridiculous. (laughs) Brandy, I don't think you've heard enough of Kip's side of the story. I don't fucking care about Kip's <gasps> side of the story. You are talking about a rich white man, Brandy. <laughs> a Rhinelander. <sighs> okay, so quick side note, and I think this is stupid too, but anyway, I'm just going to read it to you. <laughs> Some sources say that after Kip signed the papers, he sent Alice a secret note asking her to fight the case in the hope that if she successfully fought the case, they could remain married and, you know, no one would be able to say shit. Anyway, tell me your opinion upon that. (laughs) That, I fucking hate it. Yeah, I bet that's not true. Okay, see, here's the thing. Let's say that is true. Uh It's still nutless. You're still a nutless little fuck, Kip. Yeah. Give me a break. You're the powerful, you're the multimillionaire. Yeah. You can't stand up to your daddy. And I'm sorry, but you should have... I really m- wish you'd stop calling him his daddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm infantilizing him. It's a fun trick. <laughs> no, I... Uh, I got really mad. Yeah. Uh, today, this morning... Bleh, anyway. Yeah. Today, this morning. I meant yesterday and this morning. Anyway, moving on. Just mad all over. Mad, of- mad. No, I, so I was thinking... So mad you don't even know what day it is. <laughs> but... Okay, if it's 1924 or, you know, whatever year, when yeah. did when did Harry and Meghan get married? Anyway, um, you know what your family's like. Yeah. You know there's a chance that they will threaten you with disinheritance. Which is the whole reason you got married in secret. What do you mean? The whole reason he got married in secret is because he knew his family wouldn't like the marriage. And there was a chance they would disinherit him. So, you knew that there was a chance. Why, why not why put fight her, it now? Why put her through it? Why put that's my thing. Why put her through it? If that, if them disinheriting you was going to be enough to get you to walk exactly. away from the marriage, why do it? Exactly. Because he's a, in your words, a nutless little fuck. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like a squirrel with its little hands upturned like what and its pockets pulled out not less that's kip in this situation anyway 
I, I say that I obviously I can't keep my own bias out of this thing. A lot of people feel really sorry for Kip. And yes, he's a victim, too, in its own his own way. But I mean, like, in the same way that, like, I got a paper cut and you broke your leg. I mean, yeah, give me a fucking break anyway. <laughs> <laughs> OK, maybe if a I very good analogy. Thank you. You're welcome. I you know what I kept thinking today? was maybe there are a couple books on this and it's like well maybe if I'd read a whole book on this I would feel more compassion for him and I'm sure I would because you get more nuance that way but I don't know right now he just seems like a squirrel with his little paws in the air (laughs) just empty pockets (laughs) the trial was a media sensation it had everything race sex money an all white all male jury yeah yay For his side, Kip hired an attorney named Isaac Mills. And Isaac really painted a picture for the jury. He painted his own client as a dim-witted, socially awkward, naive young man. Yeah. Kip had just He didn't know what he was doing. (laughs) Poor boy doesn't know his ass from his elbow. (laughs) You see, Brandy, Kip had been young and overly trusting, and Alice had been a gold-digging hooker with a heart as black as coal. Mm, wow. That's not an exact quote, no, but you get, know, the, yeah. you get the drift. During his opening statement, Kip's attorney paced in front of the jury, explaining Kip and Alice's relationship, and he paused, pointed at Kip, and said, quote, Bear with me, gentlemen, for what we have before us is nothing but a bag of trail mix that's all dried fruit and M&M's. <laughs> nutless. Nutless, I tell you. And that's what he said. And then he paced some more. And then he pointed at Alice and said, and over here is a sexy sex pot made of sex parts. <laughs> and I know that sounds like a big exaggeration, but I've got some real quotes coming later, and they are so much worse than that. <laughs> Kip's case was fucking horrible. He testified that Alice had misled him. She told him that she had dark skin because of Spanish ancestry, which I guess is Fine. superior. Uh, yeah, I don't know. His whole case was based on the idea that he had been tricked into marrying a colored woman. Was that a burp? No, it was a hiccup. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I tried to stifle it. <laughs> she just exploded everywhere. <laughs> just brandy chunks everywhere. Oh, God. You know, there's, um, I pass this business every now and then. It's a crime scene cleaner. If I had brandy chunks everywhere, I think I'd call, call them Call in. them yeah. up. Hey, come yeah, on come in, on boys. In. Got chunks of, <laughs> Got chunks of brandy. <laughs> as far as the eye can see, <laughs> there was brandy <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so when Kip testified, his legal team tried to show that all he had ever wanted from Alice was sex. They'd had a whole bunch of premarital sex. He'd never planned to marry her. And so what, he was taking a gunpoint to the courthouse? Yeah, basically. Stupid. Um, This is about to get worse. Oh, good. As evidence, they read aloud the most private, intimate sections of the love letters that Alice sent to him wow. when they were apart. Yeah. Nice. Good shaming. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. At one point, Kip's attorney said that Kip had accepted Alice's relative poverty, her inferior social status, but could not tolerate, 
quote, the undying disgrace of an alliance with colored blood. That is where he drew the line. Okay. Okay, now that's the worst quote ever. That's worse than the quotes I made up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's real the bad. The undying disgrace of an alliance with colored blood. Oh. Yeah, Jesus. When it came time for Alice's side of the story, people expected her legal team to argue that she was white. I guess they just thought, like, why would you ever argue anything different? The argument is I never lied about my race. He lived with my family. He has seen my father. He knows where I come from. So you've read this story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the case. Yeah. He Uh, lived in my home with my family. Yeah. He willingly went to the courthouse and married me. We were in a three-year relationship before we got married. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the argument. Yes, You don't have to say, oh, actually, I'm white. Her attorney, a man named Lee Parsons Davis, was like, my client is not a white woman. She knows it. Her family knows it. Her friends know it. And you know who else knows it? Kip! And has always fucking known it? Fucking Kip! The nutless wonder over there! (laughs) At one point, Alice's sisters took the stand and they were like, yep, we have colored blood. We've never denied it. Again, that's their phrasing, you know. Alice's attorney and her family did not describe themselves as Negro. It was more about having colored blood. Mm -hmm. But... The interesting thing about all this talk about race is that interracial marriage was not illegal in New York, which is kind of funny for the time. Yeah, it is. So it was frowned upon with the frowniest of frowns, but it was not illegal. So what this case all came down to was whether Kip had been duped into marrying her. There was a ton of weird analysis like... But wait a second, how do Alice and her family carry themselves? How do they dress? Who do they associate themselves with? There was testimony from neighbors and other people who were asked to weigh in. That sounds Can you fucking imagine? Can you you imagine? Let's see what stereotypes we can link to them. Interestingly... Newspaper accounts from the time almost always included a physical description of Alice. What she wore, what her skin tone was, how she conducted herself. I think very fascinatingly sort of depended on what evidence was shown in court Mm -hmm. that day. So one day reporters said she had fair skin. Another day she was ebony. Another day she was slightly tanned. Well, that's quite a fucking range. It's a range. That's a bigger range than most cosmetic companies offer. (laughs) But what really mattered, what was at the core of this trial, was whether or not Alice had tricked Kip. Nope. Oh, did you miss the first part where she was the gold digging whore? And he was the naive young boy who was just in it for sex. He didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) So you Casper the Friendly Ghost? (laughs) That's not how Casper sounds. You got like a little ghosty there at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so one piece of... I'm sorry. How did fucking Casper sound? (laughs) I don't know, but I watched that movie a lot. Devon Sawa, Christina Ricci. He sounded more like a happy little kid, if I recall. 
Don't question me on this. I saw that movie a lot. We had it on VHS. I also had it on VHS. Oh, did you? The clamshell cases. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Same here. You think I had one of those crappy sleeves? No, no. I had the I had the case. Mm-hmm. So one piece of evidence, seemingly in favor of this argument that like, oh, she was he tricked. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed. I went into ghost mode and I got things reversed. Help me out, Casper. Okay, so one piece of evidence seemingly in favor of that argument was the marriage certificate. On it, both of their races were listed as white. Mm. Okay, but what were the choices? Hmm. I think you're asking the wrong question. Am I? Mm-hmm. Oh, is the right question who filled out the marriage yes, certificate? Yes, <laughs> You're much closer. So on the stand, when his attorney asked Kip whether the city hall clerk had specifically asked them if they were white, Kip said the clerk hadn't. Yeah. The clerk was just like, mm, yeah, yeah, they look to be white. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the clerk had just assumed Alice's legal team's argument was that not only did Alice never deny her race, but also Kip had to have known just by looking at Alice that she wasn't white. But how could Alice's attorney prove that Kip should have known Alice was black simply by looking at her? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. You want to take a guess? No. Yeah, Buckle up. Yeah. This shit's about to go from bad to I was gonna say, so much worse. Just racist <laughs> stuff is coming, I'm sure. This. Okay, I'm just going to do it. All right, here we go. I mentioned earlier that Kip took the stand. There was all this talk about all the sex he and Alice had. And on the stand, Alice's lawyer asked Kip whether he'd ever seen Alice's naked body. And, you know, of course he had. Yeah. He'd seen her naked body during sex. Duh. Had he seen her body in a room that had decent lighting? Yes, he had. And had Kip slept with Alice even after the news broke that she wasn't white? Yes, he had. Okay, point made, right? Kip had seen her naked body in adequate lighting. Mm-hmm. Okay. At this point, Alice was taken into a bathroom where she had to remove all of her clothes except her underwear and put on a long coat. And as she did this, she began to cry. Oh, yeah. Then, as had been negotiated by her attorney, she entered a room with the all-male jury. Holy shit. The judge, her attorney, and was told to take off her coat. What the fuck? She cried again as she showed the men her breasts, her back, and her legs. Her attorney's argument was that her skin tone, and I guess the color of her nipples, revealed her race. She couldn't have possibly deceived Kip because Kip saw her naked body and it told the truth. Jesus. When this was all over... Alice sobbed uncontrollably. Her mom helped her get dressed and had to physically support her as they walked out of the courthouse. 
the judge had ordered that no reporters were allowed to be there during this demonstration. How nice of him. Yeah. But, of course, that didn't stop them from writing about it, and it didn't stop the New York Evening Graphic from recreating the scene with a topless model posing in a courtroom. This is the worst thing I've ever heard happen yeah. in a courtroom. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. She never took the stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, this... I think this is where... Uh, I don't give a shit about Kip. Yeah. Yeah. She had to go get naked in front of a bunch of gross, creepy dudes... Yeah. ...who were going to look at her boobs and decide what race she was. Yeah. This trial lasted nearly a year. Oh, my God. Right? I mean, what is there to fucking what discuss? The fuck? I mean, obviously race, but anyway. <laughs> it was very scandalous and talked about, and there's a ton I didn't cover, including when this dude, Al Jolson, who at the time was the most famous and highest paid celebrity at the time, was called to testify. This is so stupid. Okay, so they'd read all of Alice's love letters, right? Mm-hmm. There's like hundreds of love letters. And in one, I guess she mentioned that Al Jolson was a flirt. Like, she'd heard from someone that he was a flirt. Mm -hmm. So I assume Kip's legal team was like, oh, this big slut. She's, like, banging everybody. So the most famous celebrity at the time came to testify and be like, yeah, no, we we never had an affair. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. By the way, super fun fact. At the time... He was known as the world's greatest entertainer, but now he's known as the king of blackface performers. Okay, then. Um, so I, I went down the rabbit hole yeah. today. I had to. His most popular tunes were Mammy and Ooh. some other, like, something Dixie. Ooh. So then I was like, uh-oh, I can't stop. So then I went over to YouTube, and of course <laughs> somebody has uploaded some of that stuff. It... Oh, my God. It's the cringiest shit yeah. you've ever seen. Um, cringier than that, though, is you go check out the comments section. I can't. I can't handle Yeah, don't. I, I recommend you don't. Yes. A lot of people being like, but what about all the good he did? No. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. Anyway, at some point, this shit show had to end, and it did. On December 6th, 1925, the jury found in favor of... Kip wrong really alice (gasps) thank goodness kip rhinelander could not have an annulment his marriage to alice was valid this was wild a working class woman of color had fought a legal battle against a family of white multimillionaires and won wow kip like the douchey douchebag that he was tried to appeal the verdict several times but none of the attempts work Because we all know that the answer to someone's race is found in the nip. (laughs) Honestly, like, the most upsetting thing to me is... It does seem, from some of the analysis that I read, that, like, her going and getting naked was... That's what came down to? Yeah. Jesus. That's fucking terrible. Are you ready for something worse? There's worse stuff? Yeah. So after this, Kip's family disowned him and he wasn't allowed to go to the white rich guy clubs because he was shunned. 
Oh, oh I don't no. Feel bad for him. Oh, no, but think about it. He used to be able to go to the clubs, and now he can't go to the clubs. Cool. It's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he moved out to Nevada. He didn't tell anyone his real name. He went by Lou Russell, and he became a woodcutter. He changed his appearance a bit. I believe this was actually when he got the Hitler stash. Oh. Um, changed it to the Hitler stash. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting change. <laughs> Somebody also said that he put on weight, but it's like, well, maybe that wasn't like some secret yeah. disguise. Maybe he's just, just like, like me and like when he's sad, <laughs> he likes some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> they didn't have Pop-Tarts back then. I think they had, you know, pastries. All right. Pastries. There we go. Toaster pastries. <laughs> You heat him up over the alcohol lamp. I'm sorry, that's rude. That's rude. <laughs> Watch out for explosions. <laughs> so eventually, in 1929, a reporter found him and wrote about Kip living in secrecy in Nevada. And it was there that Kip was granted a, granted a divorce by default. But by this point, Alice had already filed a separation lawsuit against him in New York. She'd charged him with abandonment, and she'd pressed charges against his father, Philip, for interfering with her marriage. And this suit wasn't nearly as dramatic as the previous one. It ended in a settlement. And in their settlement, Kip agreed to pay Alice $32,500 up front, adjusted for inflation, $525K, plus $3,600 every year for the rest of her life. Mm Mm-hmm. Adjusted for inflation, 58K. Okay. By the way, that figure was never adjusted for inflation over the course of her life. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, okay, so I was talking about this with Norman. He was like, hey, that sounds pretty good. It's not good when you consider how much they had. Yeah. Um, This is like just the teeniest. It's not even a 1%. Yeah. Also, my God, think of what this woman went through. Exactly. In exchange, Alice agreed to forfeit all claims to the Rhinelander estate. She agreed to never use the Rhinelander name. She agreed to not speak publicly about what happened. She agreed to never write about what happened. So that was it. Kip and Alice's marriage was over. There was nothing more to say. Kip never remarried and reportedly never fell in love again. He died from pneumonia in 1936 when he was 34. Wow. Yeah. The Rhinelander family was, of course, like, oh, no, I'm so sad about Kip dying. By the way, does this mean we still have to pay Alice? Yeah, what does it mean? Um. Well, their family attorney was like, yeah, you definitely do, you awful yeah. people. Like, it's for the rest of her life. Yeah. But then, four years later, Kip's douchey dad, Philip, died. And that meant that Kip's sister, Adelaide, inherited all that sweet, sweet money. And so did a couple nieces and granddaughters. And even though there was way more than enough money to go around, and even though Alice's alimony was minuscule in comparison to the Rhinelander estate, fucking Adelaide was like, no, we're not paying anymore. Mm -mm, It's too much. But Alice was like, Oh, fuck the that. fuck you on. Mm-hmm. So she looked herself in the mirror again and she said, let's go to court. This legal battle lasted two years. And Jeez. this time, I know, 
This time, no one got naked in a court of law, which I think we can all agree is real progress. The case went all the way to the New York Supreme Court. And the New York Supreme Court was like, Rhinelanders, more like wronglanders. (laughs) That doesn't work. Nope. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. Pay Alice her money. And so the Rhinelanders did. But it was very hard for them because, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but they had so many sticks shoved up their butts. They were basically tree trunk in it. And so reaching for their wallets was really tough because branches would get in the way and sometimes their arms would get cut up. And it was just a real mess. No, it sounds really tough. I feel bad for them. But, you know, they did pay Alice her money, and Alice always kept up her end of the deal. She never told her story to anyone. She never sold her story, and she never used the Rhinelander name. Wow. She always went by her maiden name, Alice Jones. When she died at the age of 89 in 1989, she had never remarried and reportedly never fallen in love again. That's crazy. That means that she was born in 1900. (laughs) Yes, Brandy. And even though she'd always followed the settlement agreement to a T, her gravestone says a lot about how she felt inside. Because her gravestone does not read Alice Jones. It reads Alice J. Rhinelander. (gasps) And that's the story of an old-timey Meghan Markle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. Do you think he really loved her? I don't know. I wish I knew more about this because, like, part of me wonders, had he, was he truly just not that bright and was he just pushed around and you know I do think at a certain point in a trial it's like it's too late Mm -hmm. by the time we get to this awful stuff it's too late for him to put his foot down Mm -hmm. Hmm. so maybe he was and maybe he was just way naive and optimistic about like we'll do this trial my dad will lose and we'll get back together but I, I just feel very strongly that when you marry someone, assuming they're a good person, they don't turn out to be some abusive asshole. Mm-hmm. It's your job to help ensure that your family treats them well. Yeah. And if your family is being an ass to them. Yeah. You don't let them duke out that battle on their own. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Man, it, but doesn't that make you think of Megan and oh, Harry? Oh, absolutely. And good on Harry for being like, fuck it. Go yeah. to Canada. Yeah. Talk about the opposite of Kip Rhinelander. I know. More like Kip Wronglander. (laughs) More like like Kip Rhinskyer, am I right? Rhinskyer? What? Skyer. Lander. Oh. (laughs) Yours is worse than mine. (laughs) And that's saying something. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. What would you think of that? I thought it was so I interesting. Was very interesting. That was great. I'm sorry. That was basically fishing for a compliment. No, Did was, you like my story? I, I love your my story. story. <laughs> All right, Brandy. You're professional gonna... ad doers. <laughs> People are always asking us to do their ads. Constantly. <laughs> so you're going to tell me about a possession, are you? That's right. Do you know this case? No. 
This was another one where you sent me some name that I'm supposed to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like everybody and their mom has asked us to do this case mm. recently. So shout out to everyone who has suggested this. I ignore all moms, <laughs> which is why I won't be listening to this case. <laughs> That's just rude. <laughs> Special shout outs to Lynn Darling for the Washington Post amazing article on this case that came out like in 1981 when this all went down. Lynn, darling, thank you so much. <laughs> I like that. Add some commas, I yeah. I liked it. <laughs> and an article for uh, All That's Interesting by Marco Go for it. This is your Margaritoff. <laughs> Margaritoff. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Marco. Brookfield, Connecticut. Population 17,750. Located 43 miles northeast of New York City, Brookfield is home to lots of commuters. So much so that the town's official Wikipedia page's notable people section just says this. Partially due to Brookfield's close proximity to New York City, Brookfield has seen many notable residents ranging from famous golfer Gene Sarazen to Connecticut's 87th governor, Jody Rell. Jody Rell? <laughs> Jody Rell! Oh, my God. Many finance and business executives also reside in Brookfield due to the centralization of investment firms and hedge funds. I'm sorry, I fell asleep during the middle of that. <laughs> as well as many Fortune 500 companies. I have never seen a notable people section that reads like this. Usually no. it's like bullet points of names. Yes, yes. It seems a little defensive, it frankly. Does. It's like, look, we've got a we've lot got of important lots of people. notable people, okay? So many that we can't even bother to list yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is also home to seven private country clubs and marinas. Oh, seven? Yes. It's not that big a place. <laughs> it's not. And boasts several annual events, including a town Easter egg hunt, a Mother's Day 5K, and a film festival featuring shorts and foreign films. Okay, see that that's all normal to me. The seven yeah, country seven clubs. Seven country clubs, that's a lot. That's the bougiest thing I've ever mm-hmm, heard. Mm-hmm. Besides eight country clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. Thank you. Yeah. What Brookfield, Connecticut went its first 193 years without though? Oh my god, I'm so sorry. What? I don't know if that was my stomach or my <laughs> butt. <laughs> Rolled out the window. <laughs> Everybody, we have to pause. Norman and I took a road trip last week. And it was, so it was a drive to Colorado, which anyone who's done the drive from like Kansas City to Colorado knows there's like a long, boring section. Yeah. And like we'd been in the car for like, I don't know, 11 hours. And we were getting to the very end of it. And he goes, Oh no, I've got a fart. And I was like, Well, go ahead. <laughs> so he farts and he just sits there. And I was annoyed, and I said, roll down the window. And then he snapped back at me and goes, I'll roll it down when I smell it. (laughs) And not a moment sooner. (laughs) I'm waiting for it to hit my nose. (laughs) Anyway. Mm. Anyway. (laughs) What Brookfield, Connecticut went its first 193 years without, though, was a murder. Hmm. But that all changed on February 16th, 1981, when Arnie Cheyenne Johnson 
stabbed Alan Bono to death. This is the true story behind the latest entry into the Conjuring movie series, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. I I don't know any of these words. You don't? No. You don't know the con- you saw the conjuring. No, I didn't. What is that? I mean, it sounds spooky <laughs> as hell. You never saw the conjuring? Well, it was Casper in that. <laughs> I feel like you would have seen the conjuring because it was a big movie and then you wouldn't have seen the sequel. Uh, hang on. Let me check my Google machine, <laughs> which the, is how the, I found Princess Weeks. The witch hanging in the tree. The conjuring. Oh, hell no. Mm-mm. No, no. Oh, it's got a creepy little kid in it? Yeah, no. Oh, for sure. Absolutely not. It's pretty scary. <laughs> I mean, it looks terrifying. It's pretty scary. No, I did not see this film. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the third one in the series. It just came out. And uh, when it came out, everybody was like, hey, mm-hmm. do this case. Mm-hmm. So here I am doing it. I don't think anybody said that to me. They really know us. Oh yeah, they said it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one was like, "Hey, Kristen, do you can you do the story of a possession, please?" <laughs> <laughs> it was a cold day in February, February sixteenth. Yeah, you mentioned to be exact, that mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty one when it all happened. It was George Washington's birthday, a holiday. Of sorts. Fun fact, George Washington later became president of the United States. That's right. Also, fun fact, we are located currently in the United States. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do Mm -hmm. you have any fun facts? Mm -hmm. No, you don't, because you're just drinking vitamin water like it's your germ. (laughs) (laughs) So, President's Day, whatever, was kind of a holiday, but Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, Cheyenne to his friends, some people called him Arnie, some people called him Cheyenne. I don't know. All of the articles use the two names interchangeably, so I'm going to do the same thing. Okay, okay. (laughs) He had called into work because everybody else was off that day. He worked for, as one article put it, Hmm. a tree surgeon. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You love that. I love it. Specifically, right tree service. He told them he had a sore throat. It was just a little bit of a fib. He felt fine. Fibby fib. But that day, his girlfriend, Debbie Glatzel, Glatzel, G-L-A-T-Z-E-L. I knew it just the way you said it. <laughs> it flashed before me. Now, question, was he like a manager or was he like one of the guys who actually got up in the He was floor? one of the guys that oh, climbed the trees that, and did the trimming. That looks like the most terrifying yeah, job. Yeah, he had the claws on his shoes, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and he wore that big strap around. I know. Yeah. Every, every time I see a guy up there, I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna witness. A, a death? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I think. I'm like, I'll yeah. call the cops. It's fine. Yeah. But they they're, they turn out fine. Yeah, yeah. So okay. He calls in sick, and his Debbie's like, hey, I'm going to go to the kennels where I work. She worked as a groomer at a dog mm-hmm. kennel. Why don't you come with me? And so he did, and he brought his sisters with him. It was like a whole group of them that went down to the kennels. He had, like, little sisters, so he was, like, mm-hmm. taking care of them. Okay. Once they get there, the manager of the kennels, Alan Bono. What? I think we know what happens to him because I already said it. Yeah, yeah. Was there. And he, so he was like a new resident in Brookfield. His, like, sister owned the kennels, I guess. And he had moved there from Florida because she'd asked him to go oversee the kennels. And so he had gone there. He didn't know anything about running a kennel. So he really relied on Debbie, who helped him keep stuff, you know, on track. And she did a lot of the managerial stuff while 
Alan did a lot of drinking in his apartment upstairs. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so he he seemed like a really cool guy because he was super laid back and he was always, you know, just like a little bit drunk. He had all of these great stories because he'd lived all over the world. He'd just like most recently before Florida, he'd lived in Australia for like 17 months and he'd run a plantation there. I don't know what kind of plantation. I'm not really sure. I think that's a term for a farm, but... <laughs> I don't know. You said he ran a plantation. Now he's an overseer. It's like really (laughs) creeping me out. (laughs) And he didn't do shit while everyone else did the work. That's right. That's right. So he was 40. He liked to talk about himself, brag about the things he'd done. But he also seemed to be like a good time. And that particular day, he took them all out to lunch at a local bar. The Mug and Munch. Oh, God. (laughs) The Mug and Munch? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, the mug and munch. I mean, I would go there. <laughs> okay, you know what? Here's how cheap I am. Mm-hmm. This whole time I've been like, mm-mm, mm-mm. A boss who's drunk half the time who doesn't, mm-mm, I'm not a fan. No, but, but then, as soon as he's like, hey, Kristen, let's go out let for me lunch. Let me buy a lunch. Mug and munch, I'm, I'm buying. Like, okay. All okay. right, Alan, I'll Hi. be there. Let me get my purse. <laughs> You know what? I don't even need it because you're buying. <laughs> so they sat around the table at the mug and munch, and Alan told corny drunk, <laughs> what? Told corny jokes, threw back glass after glass of red wine. Cheyenne and Debbie had a little bit of wine, but just like you know, like a glass. Right. Really, Alan was having himself a little party and everyone else was there just to watch. Right. After the lunch, they went back to the kennel in the afternoon and kind of, you know, drug on. Nothing nothing of note happened. And then at one point, Alan had asked Arnie to fix his stereo for him. And he had, he'd like fixed the speakers and then it came on and like it came on super loud and there was like all of this noise and it hurt everybody's ears and everybody like really changed the the tone of the room. Like everybody was kind of on edge after it. It seemed like Alan was kind of irritated. And so Debbie. Well, that wasn't Arnie's fault. No, it wasn't. It okay. wasn't. But okay. but yeah. All right. All right. People were kind of. People were kind of like, ah. And then yeah. Alan's like upset and whatever. And so Debbie kind of reads the room and is like, hey, to all the kids, like, hey, let's go pick up some pizza for dinner. Let's get on out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And so they did. They left. And it was her hope that when they'd come back, everything would be fine. And maybe maybe Alan would be up in his apartment and yeah. you know, she could get her work done and everything would be fine. But when she gets back with the kids, Alan's downstairs in the kennel part, and he's like, hey, everybody come up and hang out in my apartment with me. Everybody come on upstairs. Bring your pizza. You know, whatever. We'll turn on the TV. And so they go upstairs, and the TV comes on, and it's too loud, and it sets him off again. And so he is, like, mad that the TV's too loud, and he starts, like, pounding his hand into his fist. He's just like, well, why not just turn it down? I Right. I don't know. I okay. don't know. Okay. But it seems to set him off. Okay. And so now Debbie's like, everybody get out of here. Everybody get out of here. Everybody oh leave. Gosh, leave. She's like Debbie. getting the kids out. And as they're going to leave, Alan grabs one of the little girls, like a nine-year-old girl. Oh, my God. And so Debbie's like, uh-uh, no, no, no. And so she goes and she grabs this little girl. Her name's Mary. And like pushes her to the door. Mm-hmm. And now 
Alan has Debbie. Oh, my God. So Arnie was downstairs and he heard all of this going on and he had already headed to the car because he was like going to get all the girls loaded in the car and like get out of there. But he hears that there's a commotion going on. He hears Debbie. And so he goes up the stairs, walks into the apartment and he sees Alan with his like arms around Debbie, like holding her. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to free herself. And it was like. One of the girls that was there later said, this is Wanda, this is one of Arnie's sisters, says, all of a sudden, it was like everything just broke. She said, I can't explain it. It just broke. She said, Arnie just lost it. He started growling like an animal. Wow. She saw a flash of something in the air, and then I all ran from the room, ran to the car. And then as quickly as it start had started, it was done. Alan was still standing there with his fist in his hand. A knife hit the floor. And then Alan hit the floor. He'd been stabbed to death. There was a wound that ran from his chest all the way down to his stomach. Oh, my God. And he just hit the floor dead. No one could say exactly what had happened, except that the knife that hit the floor seemed to be the knife that Cheyenne always carried on him. His pocket knife was like a five-inch pocket knife. But it was like time had stood still. It was like everything Mm -hmm. had gone dark, and then all of a sudden, Alan Bono is laying on the floor dead. And Arnie just calmly walked out of the building into the woods. The police came and tried to render aid to Alan Bono, but his wounds were, as they were described in the newspaper, there were four or five tremendous wounds. Like Mm. I said, one that extended like all the way from like chest to belly button. Yeah. Wow. When police tracked down Arnie, he was, like, just wandering, like, a mile away, two miles away. Mm-hmm. And they took him into custody without a fight. The stabbing itself was over quickly. But according to those close to Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, including his girlfriend, Debbie, this whole thing had actually started months earlier. And Arnie wasn't a murderer. He was possessed by the devil. Oh, my God. It began in the (sighs) summer of 1980. Cheyenne Johnson and Debbie Glatzel had found this little house in the country that they wanted to move into. There was a rental house, and Debbie described it as her dream house. It was yellow. Wow. (laughs) Yellow. (laughs) <laughs> Which is is a term uh-huh. that everybody knows right. means yellow with olive shutters. Uh, obviously, <laughs> duh. I wish you hadn't wasted time explaining it. Uh, <laughs> it was like set back in the woods, but it was like not that far out of town, so mm-hmm. it would be close. So at this point, 
Cheyenne and Debbie were living with Cheyenne's mother. She was in poor health. And so Debbie and Cheyenne really took care of her children, his siblings. Okay. And so it was a home that they could all move into, but still be close to town for their jobs and whatever. Right. So they go into this rental house to check it out and see if it's, you know, in good enough condition for them to rent, if they can all have space there, whatever. And in one of the rooms, there was this waterbed. That had been left behind. And they were like joking about how waterbeds are stupid and they are. They're like, have, have you ever? You were, oh my God. Oh my, yes. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I got in one. And yeah. I, at first you think it's cool, but then yeah. you roll over and like the other person sloshes yes, off the bed. Exactly. Exactly. So they take turns like laying in the, on this waterbed, like right. sloshing around. But Debbie's 12 year old brother, David, was like, mm I'm not getting in it. Yeah, because it's someone's used waterbed. No, he just felt something creepy. Yeah, it, it, about the creepy the part was it was someone's used waterbed. <laughs> he said it made him uneasy. He just had a feeling about it. Me too. <laughs> so he didn't get in it. But later that day. Did you ever have a waterbed? Yeah, I had a fucking waterbed. You personally? Okay. <sighs> I'm complicated. <laughs> Why is it complicated? Either you had one so or my you dad had a waterbed like right after my parents got divorced. And uh-huh. so I slept in his waterbed. I remember sleeping that one. And then that waterbed later became my sister's bed. But like, there, remember that really bad ice storm that we had? <laughs> yes. Okay. So we were. Did a branch come through a window and poke the waterbed? No, no, no. But my dad was convinced this big tree in the back uh-huh. of our house was going to fall on our house and it would have fallen right on my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so while we were living, like while we had to stay in the house with, because of the ice storm, we had no power or anything, he made me sleep in my sister's waterbed in the other room so I wouldn't mm-hmm. get crushed by a tree. And also because there was like. The water is heated, and even without power, it would hold that heat for some amount of time, so it would probably be warmer sleeping in the... Anyway, I fucking hated sleeping in the waterbed, because no matter what you did, you always woke in the morning, just your face on the wood supports on the side of the bed. Yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. So, yes, I have slept in a waterbed. You know, that was surprisingly complicated. <laughs> I told you it was complicated. And I doubted you. I was like, the summary How complicated is- could it be? Yeah. Have you or have you not had a waterbed? Do they still have that waterbed? No. What do you mean, no? no. I mean, it sounds like they kept it for way they longer did. than they most did people. They keep it for a long time. This was yeah. the early 2000s. This was when your vagina was named Lance Bass. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, Lance Bass was going to come to you that day, but he was like, wait, she's in a waterbed? waterbed? Mm, mm, no thanks. Not a good look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so later that day, they're still at the property. They're checking it out, whatever. David goes in that room by himself. Mm-hmm. He's thinking that maybe he'll just try out the waterbed when no one's watching him. Okay, why are you talking about it like it's masturbation? He's just going to lay in this bed. Yeah, he's like working up the nerve to lay in this waterbed. Because he's scared of it. He's 12 and he doesn't want to admit oh, that he's scared I'm, of it. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the adult. I'm sorry. No, I was very curious. the little 12-year-old. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm, so he's Wow, in- I'm really sorry about the masturbation comment. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Really sorry. Apologies to all. <laughs> so David's standing there and he's like, all right, I'm just going to do it. Everybody else did it. I'm just going to lay on this bed. Mm-hmm. And then he swears okay. while he was alone in that room, mm-hmm. someone pushed him onto the bed. And then he turned. He, so he's on the bed. Ugh. He's flailing about. He rolls over. 
there's a man standing there. An old man in a torn plaid shirt and blue jeans and coarse, weathered skin. And the man said to him, I sleep in my makeup. <laughs> That's what my skin's going to look like? Is that yeah. What if, if karma has anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the man just said, beware. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> and so David shit his pants and jumped up and ran out of the room. And then that very same night, he saw the man again. Mm. Only this time he looked different. But he was sure it was the same man. <laughs> this time. His skin wasn't just weathered, it was burned and black. And he was barefoot this time. He didn't have on his work boots like he had the last time. Mm -hmm. And in place of his feet mm -hmm. were hooves. <sighs> <laughs> that night, he sat around the kitchen table with his family and he said, this man came to me today. I've seen him twice. I'm scared. He told me to be well. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. And his mother said in this um, this article for the Washington Post, she said, I believed him instantly. I've read about the supernatural. I've heard the Warrens lecture. What? I, I just knew he must be talking about a ghost. And so Judy Glatzel, who is David Glatzel's mom, decided she needed to contact the Warrens. The Warrens to which she were referring were Ed and Lorraine Warren, famed paranormal investigators. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Ed was a self-proclaimed demonologist. Oh. And his wife Lorraine was a self-professed clairvoyant and trance medium I don't know what that means but it sounds like you can do it at a rave <laughs> <laughs> everyone I wish you could see Brandy's club move she just busted out while sitting down <laughs> they were quite good <laughs> so I'm sure you can all imagine <laughs> where have all the cowboys gone techno remix <laughs> So Ed and Lorraine Warren, since 1952, had been operating the New England Society for Psychic Research. Mm. And by the time everything started happening with David Glatzel, they had gained worldwide fame through the Amityville Horror Case. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You should cover that. I have. <laughs> So David's strange sightings and behavior continued and worsened. And after 12 days, Judy, his mom, was like, I am calling the Warrens. Mm -hmm. They will know what to do. And so she, I don't know, looked up their phone number in the phone book. I don't know. I guess that's what you did in 1981. What do you mean, I don't know? Of course that's what she or did. Or maybe there was like an ad in the back of the newspaper. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> Who are you going to call? <laughs> the Warrens. <laughs> and so... She calls them, and Ed and Lorraine come in, and they're like, oh, no, this is not a ghost. Because she's like, I think there's a mm -hmm, ghost. He's mm -hmm. seeing this man, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. They're like, nope. <clears throat> ghost, small potatoes. Wish you had a wish, ghost. Yeah. You yeah. If you're going to be haunted, a ghost is what you want. I wish that I could come in here today <laughs> and tell you you had a ghost. Nope. 
what they knew was that this was no ghost. Mm -hmm. This was an inhuman and evil spirit Mm. infestation. Full-on infestation. Mm -hmm. This is what Ed Warren says of his initial assessment of David Glatzel. Right anew. Wow, Jesus. (laughs) Were you supposed to say, right away I knew? Uh Right anew, (laughs) devil. (laughs) Right away I knew there was something to this. I felt like a good fisherman when he knows there's something on the line. And Lorraine Warren said, the pieces of the puzzle just fit together very, very early. So they come in and they're like, okay, tell us about what's been going on. And and Judy tells them that he's been writhing in bed at night. He screams obscenities. He, well, it looks like there are hands choking him, but they can't see anything. They can just see like his skin tightening around his neck and points mm-hmm. he'd be thrown up against a wall and he would be flinching in pain and it would look like he was being stabbed. His mother said, he attacked me a lot. He spit at me, kicked at me. Squeezed me in the bust. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He went after his grandmother with a knife. The family took to sleeping during the day so that they could keep their eyes on him at night. Judy and the Warrens said that there were warning signs when, like, this spirit was going to take over David. Because it wasn't just like he was, you know, possessed 100% of the time. Yeah, that'd be stupid. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, you know, he'd just be going along Mm -hmm. his normal day. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, his head would lower to his chest. Hmm. And then he would slowly... Oh, my God, Brandy, don't do it. ...lift it. So creepy. And his face would be contorted into a snarl, and all you could see were the whites of his eyes. (laughs) And then he would laugh a hideous laugh. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds creepy as fuck. It does sound creepy as fuck. Imagine your 12-year-old doing that. No. Yeah, you'd be scared as fuck. Yep. If your 12-year-old was really doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that, though. There's all kinds of other stuff going on in the Glatzel home. They'd seen a toy dinosaur just walking around on its own. <laughs> they were ahead of their time because Toy Story didn't come out until the 90s. Plates had levitated. Rocking chairs had rocked. <laughs> and books moved mysteriously through the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. And a cake plan. Wow. A cake stand? A cake pan. Oh. A cake pan had floated right off the kitchen counter up to the ceiling. Oh, no. What happened to the cake? And they could what prove happened it to the because cake? the outline of the cake no. was left on the ceiling. That is proof. <laughs> Debbie herself. I'd be pissed if someone ruined a cake. <laughs> I would be too if someone left the cake out in the rain. It took so long to bake it. What? That's a stupid song. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to follow along with you. <laughs> Sorry. You're making it real difficult. <laughs> and Debbie had experienced things herself. So Debbie is. I bet she had. 
is is Arnie's girlfriend, David's mm-hmm. sister. Mm-hmm. She said that she'd been clawed by a mysterious green hand in the middle of the night. Hmm. And that she, too, had seen the beast <laughs> as the Glatzels came to call the entity sure. that was haunting them. Not a ghost, mind you. Hmm. The beast. Mm-hmm. She said, I saw a face with jagged teeth and coal black eyes. It had horns and pointed ears and flashing lights appeared on my walls. And then I heard my mother call my name. There were other times where things would go on in the house that didn't seem quite as threatening, just kind of annoying. Mm -hmm. There were clothes dumped out of the drawers and and one time Judy went into the bathroom and her makeup was on the floor. She was like, it was really just pretty annoying. They're punks is what they are. (laughs) An evil entity. Yeah. Uh Oh, what shall we do today? (laughs) (laughs) I'll put her makeup on the floor. (laughs) You looked like Conan O'Brien when you did that. Did I? Thank you. (laughs) He's the most beautiful podcaster in all the land. So after some oh, pretty... What? You looked like Joe Rogan when you did that. That's fucking rude as shit. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on trans people? You got any hot oh, takes? God. <laughs> <laughs> Number one podcast. <laughs> <Annie> who's there? <laughs> After some pretty serious assessment and some mini exorcisms, the Warrens declared that David was possessed by 43 demons and two devils. Oh, my God. Oh, that's too bad. That's a shame. 43 and two devils. Yeah, 43 demons and two devils. Mm-hmm. Obviously. <laughs> Duh. Try to keep up, everyone. So the Warrens went to work to try and get a formal exorcism done on David. That's what he needed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just kind of a bitch to get that taken care of. So in the meantime, they did these, like, mini exorcisms while they were working through the process at the Catholic Church to try and get a full-on exorcism by a priest done. But the official statement from the Catholic Church is one that is very similar to that of the Church of Scientology if you ask them if they believe in Xenu, mm-hmm. which is oh, oh my gosh, who would believe in an alien? Am I right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the official statement by the Catholic Church at this time was like exorcisms? That's just nonsense. <laughs> but it really seems that they were working through the process and like several priests came to visit David, but they weren't authorized to perform a full exorcism. So they performed a mass at the house to cleanse it. Authorized? What, does the Pope have to come down and I, be I, like, like Baba the Boopy? Yes, basically. Sorry, that was probably It has to like come from the Vatican. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And so uh, another article said that talks to this director of communications for the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut. And he says that basically 
we wanted before we would go through the proper channels to authorize an exorcism if mm-hmm. that were something that the church would ever do which, which of course we of would course never, we never do would, we wanted the glatzels to take david to see a psychiatrist and they refused to do so so that's why there was never a full-on exorcism or why we didn't approve one if we ever would have done such a crazy thing which we would never do right exactly <laughs> and so judy glatzel's like uh-uh actually you know what i did take my son to a psychiatrist and it was 75 dollars an hour and all they wanted to do was stick needles in him and no one's gonna do that to my son stick needles yeah, in I him don't know. okay okay i mean it really says a lot that she's leading with the price instead of mm-hmm. stick needles in him. <laughs> she said, she went on to say that she doesn't understand why it's so hard for people to accept that her son was possessed. She said, if people honestly believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord, they have to believe in the devil. Besides, this world is being controlled by the devil. Oh, boy. Look at the drugs, the prostitution, mm. the gambling, mm. the violence, that court podcast with the two foul-mouthed <laughs> girls. The devil is in charge of it all. I like the tall one. <laughs> She's not bad. It's that other one. Was I mean now for was this for real like the gambling the, the ga- yes all the everything except for the court well, podcast yeah, no, is real yes um, yeah that's her real argument you have to believe in the devil if you believe in the Lord and look what the devil is doing to our world so of course my son is possessed by the devil forty three demons and two devils okay okay I'm gonna go ahead and say. I think you can believe in the Lord and you can believe in the devil and, and not believe, believe in that the devil has shown up at some y'all live rental <laughs> in Connecticut or yeah. wherever this is yeah. and shoved some kid into a waterbed. Yeah. And said, beware. <laughs> <laughs> then he shows up again shoeless. Yeah, that's right. With hooves for yeah. feet. Yeah. 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 I, I don't I don't think we need to go that far. <laughs> I think we could draw a line. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> So, Cheyenne Johnson, though, had believed David from the beginning. So, by this point, he had taken to live to living with the Glatzels um, because he was, like, part of the team that was, like, staying up round the clock to monitor David. Okay. Why wouldn't you leave? Yeah. Because it was—the house wasn't possessed. David was. <laughs> Leaving doesn't do you any good. Have you seen no horror movies? Yeah, I mean, I've seen very few. (laughs) But that would make for a very short film, wouldn't it? Well, I'm just going to (laughs) leave. So, Cheyenne, Arnie, whatever we're calling him now, Mm -hmm. was present at one of the many exorcisms. He's actually present at multiple mini exorcisms. But at one. Oh, so many not miniature yes miniature yeah yes and at that exorcism it he was helping pin david to the bed while they were putting a crucifix on him and you know things were getting real hot and heavy and it was just kind of you know scary in there and so finally arnie cheyenne johnson was like i'm not afraid of you i will fight you take me instead Mm mm-hmm 
And David looked at him, you know, lowered his head, Mm -hmm. (laughs) looked up with his face all snarled and the whites of his eyes showing. And he said, they're laughing at you. Oh. Mm. The Warrens then looked at Arnie and they were like, never do that. Mm-hmm. Never invite a demon in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was too late. Yeah, he'd already done it. He'd already, he was like the vampire was already inside the house. Well, and like, he was like the undercover cop standing <laughs> at the front door with a glass of tea. Come on <laughs> in. <laughs> Just made some tea. <laughs> this continued on like this for months mm-hmm. with David having these periods of possession and them doing these little Well, he did ask for it. And, sorry. David didn't ask for Arnie, it. Arnie, Arnie asked for it. <laughs> in the fall, Debbie and Cheyenne went back to that house that they were interested in. They'd never moved in because the whole possession thing had happened and, you know, time oh, just gets away okay. from you yeah, yeah, and yeah. whatever. Sure. So they'd gone back to the Yolive house <laughs> and they were like, oh, should we move here? Is this just going to continue forever? We just have to figure out a way to live our lives. Mm-hmm. And they were there in the house looking out the window when all of a sudden Arnie said, there he is. The beast is here. In the Yolive house? In the Yolive house. And then he started growling. Did someone invite the beast into the Yolive house? The beast originated at the Yolive house. (laughs) Debbie said that he bared his teeth Mm -hmm. and growled as he stared at the beast. Debbie said she knew right away. Mm-hmm. exactly what had happened she slapped Arnie <laughs> and there was no reaction and she slapped him again and this time he like came out of a trance mm-hmm. she looked him in the eyes and she said the beast is in you now <laughs> and Arnie said oh my god oh no <laughs> What, Kristen? (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't the only time that Debbie noticed Arnie acting a bit strangely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Altogether, she saw Arnie show signs of possession on multiple occasions. There was the time that Arnie got up in the middle of the night and he woke her up and he stared at her and said, Go to bed. (laughs) and in that moment Debbie thought oh no it's happened again he's doing it again there was another time when Arnie got out of bed Mm -hmm. what happened punched an old trunk that was in their bedroom and yelled something about hell okay (laughs) And then there was that time where Arnie went to church with the Glatzel family and they were in the middle of mass. Bad move. Mm-hmm. They were in the middle of mass when Arnie jumped up in church and yelled, son of a bitch, I want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
just bored. Can you imagine being bored as shitless? <laughs> Bored as shitless. Bored shitless at church and somebody <laughs> yells at. <laughs> and I mean, Catholic ceremonies, they last a long yes, time. It's a long fucking time. Yeah. Mass is forever. You don't have to have the devil inside <laughs> you to want to leave. <laughs> okay, question. Did Arnie mm-hmm. have those two devils, just one devil, the 43 <laughs> other fellas? <laughs> What's I think just the one devil. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems manageable. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Oh, no, I know. I'm listening. (laughs) And then there was the day that Mm -hmm. Debbie Glatzel heard two voices coming out of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's mouth at the same time. Mm. That was the day that Alan Bono died. Mm. Now... (laughs) This doesn't really fit in here, but I didn't know where else to put it. And it feels like, while maybe it's not pertinent to the case, it is important information. Okay. So I'm going to include it here now. Okay. And I must now tell you that Debbie and Arnie first met at a grocery store when Debbie was 19 uh-huh. and Arnie was 12. <gasps> no. Oh, no. Arnie helped her pick up a display that Debbie had knocked over. And for him, it was love at first sight. Oh, my God. And Debbie later explained, quote, I tried to discourage him at first. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, this has nothing to do with the case, but Uh, it's it's very very alarming. (laughs) I think it is pertinent. Because, like, she's... I mean, the weirdos are kind of running the show. He's clearly kind of under a spell. By the devil. Devil. Yeah. By Debbie. Yeah. So instead of dating Arnie because she was 19 and he was 12, Mm -hmm. she actually became good friends with his mom, Mary. And they would go on picnics and take the kids to the beach. Sure. And earn the trust of the parents. Hang out as a whole family unit. Cool. But then when Arnie was 16 and Debbie was now 23... He asked Debbie out, and she said yes. Oh, so he was really in the driver's seat this mm-hmm. whole time. He was after mm-hmm. her, and she was really yeah. not into it, but also mm-hmm. very much wanting to hang out all the time. Mm-hmm. Cool. Nothing no, Nothing. Nothing to worry about here. there at all. Nope. And soon they fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sweetest story I've ever heard <laughs> Oh, no. And now the love of her life is possessed by the devil. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so now that you have those troubling details, let's get back to the case at hand. (laughs) (laughs) So, following the death of Alan Bono, the first murder in the 193 history... The Mm -hmm. first murder in the 193-year history of the town... The Brookfield Police Chief John Anderson released this statement, which I think is kind of funny. He said, It was not an unusual crime. Somebody got angry and an argument resulted. But it was the first murder in the town's history. And naturally, we couldn't have a simple, uncomplicated murder. (laughs) (laughs) We can't have nice things around here. Oh, no. 
Instead, everyone in the whole world converges on Brookfield. <laughs> See, he's doing the opposite of welcoming the devil in. That's right. He's like, get the hell out of my town. <laughs> he went on to say, I'm trying to be very objective to keep an open mind. I can't say it didn't happen how they said it. <laughs> but his hope was that Brookfield wouldn't turn into the attraction that Amityville had become. Right. But it seemed like someone was trying to make that happen and worked that to his advantage. Enter Martin Manella, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's defense attorney. In an attempt to drum up interest in Arnie's case in the hopes that it would help his defense, he joined the Warrens on a press tour and talked about the unusual defense he would be putting up oh my God. for his client. Arnie Cheyenne Johnson had not murdered Alan Bono. Wait, is this where we get the devil made me do it? He was possessed. The devil made <gasps> him do it. <gasps> Oh, my yes. God, I never knew where that came from. Yes. Okay, okay, it yes. all makes sense. This is known as the devil made me do it case. Wow. Yes. In one interview, he said, everybody asks, how did you come up with a defense like this? Here's the thing. I didn't come up with this. This is what was presented to me. I went to see Ed and Lorraine, and I decided to take this case on after talking to them. They told me that when you're possessed, you have no control over your actions. And that stuck in my mind. Okay. <laughs> I mean, does the American legal system <laughs> recognize possession? Huh. Manella well, said that. Well, we he, do recognize anyway. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Manila said that he never had any interest in the subject of demons until Arnie Johnson's case came up. But now there's no doubt in his mind that this was the work of the devil. Mm. He said the wounds in Alan Bono's body were too deep for human hands to have been able to create them. But that was going to be really difficult to argue in court because Alan Bono's body had been cremated before any, like, measurements or molds could be done. Well, then how could he even say... He's just pretty sure. <laughs> okay. Kristen. Okay. okay. He's pretty sure. All right. Yeah. <laughs> could, a, could a non-possessed man armed with a simple pocket knife cut a man from... Chest to belly button, fillet him like a shrimp. Buff, bu butterfly him like butterfly a shrimp. Him. I think that's the term. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess the devil did it then. <laughs> he said, "You know, it's really too bad that the body's been cremated because there's just nothing like seeing a body." That's an actual. <laughs> It's an actual quote. This guy is ridiculous. <laughs> sure would like to take a look at a dead body right now. 
So ahead of the trial, he does all these interviews and he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring religion directly into the courtroom. Mm, Yeah. The courts have dealt with the existence of God. And now they'll be asked to deal with the existence of the devil. Oh, wow. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And not a bad line at all. It's a good all. line. It's a good line. He told everyone that he was going to bring in experts from Europe on exorcism. And he'd gone to Europe because they'd, they'd brought, there'd been two cases that had used demonic possession as their defense before in Europe. Neither of them had gone before a jury, but, you know, it was kind of, mm, he was going to bring experts from those cases. Talk about the precedent that that sets. Mm-hmm. Bring in experts from the Catholic Church. Talk about the ins and outs of exorcism. Bring in the Warrens. Talk about demonic possession and how they knew that David was possessed by 43 demons and two devils. <gasps> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so, but he lays this all out in like mm-hmm. a pretrial hearing. Yeah, because this is like his... 15 minutes so he's gonna I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do this and if I'm elected student council leader (laughs) we'll have recess all day and ho-hosted every vending machine (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah so he's like at a pretrial hearing Mm -hmm. and he's like hey this is the planned defense here you go judge whoop and he likes you know pushes it across the table it's just a post-it note yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh with a drawing of the devil on it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, so I would like to now enter a plea of not guilty by reason of demonic possession. That's, that's not a plea. <laughs> and so the judge is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. So here's the thing. You can't. Yeah, that's not a thing. No. And uh, allowing such testimony in the court would be unscientific and irrelevant. Yeah. The judge went on to say, the court will take judicial notice that the profession, the business, or hobby of locating demons has not risen to that level of viability where it would be of assistance to the jury in deciding the case. That is the most diplomatic thing I have ever yeah. heard. Yeah, basically like, um, no, you can't say he was possessed by the devil because, mm, what's that, you can't prove it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no but, science behind that. But the judge gave them room to grow. Yeah. It has not risen to that <laughs> level. Right. Maybe right. one day. And so instead, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's attorney had to opt for a simple defense of self-defense. Mm, lame. The jury was not allowed to hear anything about demonic possession. <laughs> Basically... um. Arnie's attorney could, like, hint that there was a greater power at work. But that was it. Well, I'm sorry, but if you tell someone there's a greater power at work, don't they all think God? Probably. So you'd have to do, like, those little devil yeah. horns on either side of your head and yeah. hope Well, that's... so he dressed as a devil each day in court <laughs> to try and subliminally know. get the message across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sure would and like to like, wow, this guy's stuff. really got lawyers down, am I right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Great jokes on this podcast. 
So the jury was not legally allowed to consider demonic possession as a viable explanation for the killing. Well, that's just lame. (laughs) They deliberated for 15 hours over three days. And on November 24th, 1981, they found Arnie Cheyenne Johnson guilty of manslaughter. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. But Arnie was a model prisoner, and he was released after serving just five years. He and Debbie married while he was in prison. Really? And did Wait, it... did the devil exit through his butthole? No, or no, like no. What so happened? here's what happened. <laughs> here's what happened. Hold on. He and Debbie are still married today. Okay. Okay, but no. In an interview with Ed Warren following uh-huh. the trial and everything, he said... Arnie knows the warning signs now. He knows when a possession is coming. Uh And he knows the steps that he has to take. Okay. This is hilarious to me because this reminds me so much. Kyla has low blood sugar. Yeah. And, you know, when she was really young and stuff. But now she knows the signs. Uh So it's like, okay, go get a scoop of peanut butter. Mm -hmm. So I'm just picturing Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. getting the scoop of peanut butter. Mm, Devil go bye-bye. Yeah. Wards off the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. A scoop of peanut butter a day keeps the devil away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't believe in doctors if you don't also believe in devils. It makes no sense, okay? Um, in 1983, this guy, Gerald Brittle, uh, who was a, some kind of author, I'm guessing, wrote a book about this case with okay. the help of Lorraine Warren. It was entitled The Devil in Connecticut. And Lorraine stated that the profits from the book were shared with the family. And the family confirmed that they were paid about $2,000 in proceeds from the book. Mm-hmm. So that came out in like 1983. They, you know, there was a bunch of press around it, whatever. Right. That kind of stuff kind of died down. And then in 2006, it was republished. And at that time, David Glatzel and his brother Carl, so the Glatzels had three children. David was the youngest, his brother Carl was the middle child, and Debbie was the oldest. So David and Carl actually sued the authors and the publishers at that time for violating their right to privacy, libel, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Well, no, why... Why would they do that? The book's already been published. They're just... Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. you can't... Right. Give me a fucking break. So Carl claimed that the book was completely concocted by Ed and Lorraine and that they had basically... Oh, the book was bullshit, Mm -hmm. but okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that they had written it to exploit their family and that his brother was actually mentally ill at the time, but he'd since been cured of his mental illness and that explained all of the weird stuff that had been going on Mm -hmm. in the Glatzel home. And also he was really upset because apparently the book presented him as a villain, but that was only because he didn't believe in the supernatural. Okay. He said that the Warrens told him that the story would make the family millions and that it would help get Arnie Johnson out of jail. That's why the family had agreed to the book at the time. Mm -hmm. 
And according to Carl, the publicity that was generated by the story had forced him to drop out of school and lose friends and not be able to find work. And so his whole life had been affected by it. But only like in 2006 when they republished it. Yeah, not earlier. Not earlier. Lorraine defended the book and the time she spent working with the family. She said that they have over 100 hours of interviews with the family on tape and that she stands by everything in the book. And the only reason that the that Carl and David Glatzel were coming forward at this point was because they wanted money. Yeah. Arnie Johnson and... Debbie now Johnson, Debbie Glatzel, said that they completely support the Warrens' accounts of what happened to David and Arnie, and they believe that Carl and David were only suing for monetary purposes. And as far as I can tell, that lawsuit never actually went anywhere. It appears Mm -hmm. it was just dismissed. And that's the story of a possession. That was so good. That was fascinating. 43. 43 demons and two devils. It's too much. It's a lot. I don't think anybody could handle that. Arnie could barely handle one devil. Yeah, that's right. That poor kid. Yeah. Plus he had that waterbed to deal with. I know. 12 and 19. That might be the most alarming part of this story. I'm sorry? That Arnie was 12 and Debbie was 19. that's fucking gross. Yeah. And they probably met in, like, the cookie aisle. Yeah. She was lurking. She was just trolling the cookie aisle. Yeah, she was just standing by those delicious iced animal crackers, Mm -hmm. the pink ones. Yeah, and she just, like, nudged the display over. She was Mm going to, like, she arranged a meat cute. That's exactly what she did. (gasps) With a little boy. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, Ooh. Uh-huh. Should we take questions for the Discord? I think so. But first, how do they get into the Discord? All they have to do is join our Patreon at the $5 level or higher, and that gets them in to the Discord. It's like a 90s-style chat room where you can just chitty-chat the day away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Orchid would like to know if you're itching because you have poison ivy on your anus. <laughs> No, I do not. <laughs> How dare you? I haven't worked out in the yard recently, though. Kristen, have you tried watching Amazing Race? My husband got me hooked on it as well as Survivor, and there are a million seasons. Oh, God. You know what? I probably need to start. You know, here's my problem. I'm getting to the boring seasons of Survivor. Mm-hmm. You've picked through, mm-hmm. done the good ones. Yep. And now yeah. I'm to the ones where it's like everyone's just there to make friends. Mm-hmm. And it's like... I don't know if you folks know, you're not supposed to be here to make friends. Fun fact, did you know the first time I'm Not Here to Make Friends was used on a reality show? Survivor. Of course it was. You knew that? No, I mean, it just makes sense. All right. Well, you knew the Rhinelander story about Wisconsin. That's why you were inspired. <laughs> to name my vagina Lance Bass. Cool, cool, cool. Wants to know favorite summer Olympic sport. Oh, whoo. Oh, do you know we're just like days away from the opening ceremonies? <laughs> no, I didn't know. July twenty third. Everybody, calm down. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I love them all. Swimming, whew, gymnastics, yes. Mm-hmm. Diving, synchronized diving. Have you seen that shit? That's wild. It is. Yeah, I'm a gymnastics person. Obviously, I mean, who doesn't want to watch the gymnastics? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Liars. Fucking Simone Biles. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's amazing. You did a gesture like she just flew over your... She did! (laughs) Just now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here's this question from Artie Bartz 11. They want to know, would you rather slow dance with Donald Trump to Savage Garden's Truly Madly Deeply, full song with his hands on the waist, or be misinformed and accidentally congratulate an acquaintance at a small intimate gathering on being pregnant, causing her to awkwardly silently cry in front of everyone i'd dance with donald trump so would i yeah i yeah yeah that would be terrible yeah yeah oh god i mean i'm excited to do that but holy shit this is breaking news this is not a question okay but ananda slash golden face slash impeach just screenshot that Ben Folds is coming to Kansas City <gasps> with the symphony in October. We're fucking going. Uh, yes, yes. We are fucking going. Yes, we are. You didn't go last time because you're like, I don't know. I, the tickets were kind of pricey. It was $40. Yeah, it was yeah. a little expensive. Best concert ever. Okay. Yes. Ben we're Folds with the symphony. <laughs> you don't have to look at me like that. We're right. going. Yes, we're going. Okay. We're going. If I have to... Tie you up and throw you in my truck. We're going. <laughs> Murder Grace Period would like to know, have you ever abandoned a case midway through oh, researching? all the time. All the time. You know how I know that Charlie Chaplin hated Hitler? Because <laughs> I've abandoned my Charlie Chaplin case like yeah. 11 yes, billion times. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Vagina Helmet wants to know, are mm-hmm. there any songs that make you cry every time you hear them? Sir, I want to buy these shoes. Oh, my shoes God. For my mama, please. Yeah, it's cry because the song's so fucking stupid. I just her size. She needs new shoes to meet Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, good I grief. want her to look beautiful if mama meets Jesus tonight. That is a terrible song. a terrible song. song. It's so bad. Oh. oh no! There's this stupid country song that makes me cry every time. What is it? What is it? Oh my it? gosh! I don't know the name of it, but it's basically like, oh my! Now I gotta, now I gotta look it up. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. It's like this guy, and he's like telling his girlfriend's dad that he's gonna like love her the most he asked for her hand in marriage and like you know I'm gonna love her and then next they're getting married he's like watching his wife walk down the aisle and then in the next one they're welcoming their baby girl and he's gonna love her the most now oh can't listen to it without crying (laughs) (laughs) David sent it to me and I was like why would you do that to me (laughs) okay now okay controversial thoughts yeah do you think a couple should love each other the most or love their kids the most more than their it's just a different kind of love okay all right yeah that's that's a diplomatic yeah 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 i'm trying to look up what the name of this song is it's called i don't know oh promise to love her by Blaine Howard, and it's obviously a country song. (laughs) Because his name is Blaine Howard. (laughs) 
Lay's Ruffles and Cottage Cheese wants to know, Kristen, I just listened to an old Patreon episode where you said you don't believe in ghosts. But in the most recent Patreon episode, you say you do believe in ghosts. Which is it, Miss Pitts? Between this and the Norm Chronicles, you seem to have a hard time keeping your story straight. Oh! Okay, so I don't remember any of this. <laughs> Here's my guess. Yeah. And you and I talked about this just today. Yeah. While I was trying to get you to go to the local <laughs> vegan restaurant. I... I go back and forth. I'm like a yeah. pendulum yeah. on the hippy-dippy sides. Yeah. And so, you know. Yeah. One so. day you were like, nah, no, ghost. And then another day you're over here and you're like, yeah, probably ghost. One day I'm a brick of Velveeta. Yeah. The next day I'm cashew, cashew cheese. cheese. <laughs> Jesus. I'm really kind of an enigma. I'm kind of complicated. <laughs> Flown. F-L-O-N-N-E would like to know if you could erase one song completely from history so it never existed, what song would you pick? Sir, I liked it by the Wait, shoes. are you singing that song again? <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> My God. It's Christmas Eve and these oh. shoes are just a size. Could you no, hurry, no, stop. I'm censoring Daddy you. Daddy says there's not Patty, much bleep time. <laughs> She's been sick oh for quite God. a while, oh and I God. know these shoes would make her smile, and I wanted to look beautiful if Mama meets Jesus tonight. <laughs> the saddest part of that song to me is that that kid's mom did die that night. <laughs> <laughs> And all she left behind was a waterbed and a pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and when the shoes came off, uh-huh. hooves. That's <laughs> why she needed the shoes to be Jesus. <laughs> uh, nugget falls out of pants. Says not a question, but it's my birthday today. Could I get a little shout out? No. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Nugget. <laughs> Um, you damn skip says was the Iowa writing class you went to the same one that was referenced in the show Girls you know where Hannah What's Her Nuts went yes, yes it was, it was. <laughs> yes it was you want to be intimidated <laughs> go to a writing class in Iowa yeah it's Hannah Horvath for the record though yeah yeah get it right <laughs> damn it get it right or pay the price <laughs> salute your, your shorts uh, camp on a wanna. We, we hold you in our hearts. hearts. <laughs> when we think about you, I hope we never fart. I'll roll it down when I smell it. <laughs> Pinot Grigio <Ho. laughs> says, Brandy, how jealous are you of my two corgis? And then included a cute little picture of the Aww, corgis. And I am so very cute. jealous. They are very cute. Very, very cute. Persephone's mom wants to know, how do you manage life and the podcast? Brandy, you're a working mom on the go. (laughs) (laughs) And people are always saying, how does she do it? So how do you do Uh, it? Caffeine pills. No, No, it's just about like balancing it and, you know, having a a little meth and a little. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, having a good schedule. And that's why like our break was so important because we needed to like, yeah, Mm -hmm. like reset. Yeah. And come back to this. So we'll, we're we have made it a point that we are going to schedule breaks in like that for yes. ourselves in the future because it was so important and like 
it our keeps vaginas the show are good. fully rejuvenated <laughs> now. Yeah, for every break that we go on, we will each get a new plastic surgery, <laughs> as no, voted on by the patrons. No, but I do think it really does keep the show good. So yeah, I think no, it's that's super important. That was it's funny because that was like the main driving force for me was like, yeah, I don't want it to get stale. Yeah. I don't want it to sound like work. Yeah. But really, it just ended up being wonderful. I'd say the other thing is knowing to say no to things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So someone earlier today, it's funny that this question popped up. Someone earlier today was like, hey, why don't you guys start a Facebook group? And my polite answer was like, no. No. We've, no. we've got a Facebook page. And no. I, um, I think I respect that, like. Having another group or just another thing, mm-hmm. you really need to be on top of it. You need to make sure people are being respectful to each other. Yeah. You need to like keep those assholes, you know, give them the boot, yeah. whatever. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. And I think you and I are realistic about what we can and can't do. Yeah. And what we just don't want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing is that we genuinely have a great time doing this together. Yeah. Yeah. Or do we? Oh, oh it got spicy. <laughs> Bees Fly 22 wants to know, what's your least favorite beverage? Brandy, I feel like you have a least favorite hmm. beverage. Hmm. You're so damn picky. I love beverages, though. I know, but you've got to have a least favorite one because you're so picky. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I do. Um, hmm. You probably wouldn't even try anything, though, if it sounded a little iffy to you, right? Yeah, like I'm never going to try kombucha. <laughs> Your face. It smells like... What? I don't know. Feet. From, yeah. Yeah, it smells like feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It smells gross. I'm going to go ahead and say that's my least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Enough. Or that apple cider vinegar shit you Again, drink every day. That's the thing I drink. Um, some <laughs> water with some lemon juice and yeah. some apple cider, cider vinegar. It's disgusting. Yeah. Ooh. What's your favorite 90s dance? A la the Macarena. Do you have one? Do you like the Macarena? Do you like the cha-cha slide? Oh. Cha-cha slide's pretty good because well, the instructions are just right there in the song. I That's the key for me yeah. is I really have to be told. I always liked the electric slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. Slide. Mm-hmm. It's electric. <laughs> we won't tell you what race we are, but you should know that we like the electric slide, the cha-cha slide, and the Macarena. What about the Cupid shuffle? Oh, yeah. I loved that, too. Okay. So we were listening to, like, I don't know, some party, like, party jams station yeah. at the salon. Yeah. And the Cupid Shuffle came out, and my client was like, are you guys listening to a wedding playlist? <laughs> I've never yeah. heard this song outside of a wedding before. <gasps> Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about the one that's like, dun, 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 dun. Jump, jump on it, it jump on it jump on it <laughs> you know what's funny is i as soon as you say jump on it jump on it i it's like i feel on my heels like mod, a modest height high yeah. heel because i'm jumping <laughs> in shoes i don't really like in a dress i don't particularly like <laughs> that's what i've always been doing when i heard that song <laughs> amy 
wants to know. It's A-M-Y-E, so oh, she okay. did it to me. Um, what weird habit do you have? I love watching earwax removal videos, and my friends think I'm crazy. Have you ever watched an earwax? No, from- I don't think I can handle that. You- I can't do Dr. Pimple Popper. I can't do any of that stuff. Here's the thing. Oh, you can't even talk Mm-mm. about it. Okay. Wait, you no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think I can handle it. <laughs> if you throw up in our sex dungeon, <laughs> you are cleaning it up. Um, earwax removal videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are gross. Mm-hmm. But once I start watching them, I can't look away. It's like Pringles once you pop kids. Oh, gross, gross. That's disgusting because all I can think about, you wouldn't believe what comes out of somebody's ear. I mean, sometimes they look like bugs, honest to God, roaches. Like, just curled up. Oh, God. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop. I can't handle that. Amy, why'd you do that to us? Oh, my gosh. That was all her fault. <laughs> Definitely not a lizard person wants to know, is a hamburger a sandwich? No. It's its own thing. Hamburger's not a sandwich. Do you think a hamburger's a sandwich? Of course not. <laughs> I was just thinking... <laughs> I'm sorry. This went down a weird route in my head. And I was thinking, man, like, you reacted so strongly. I was like, man, people really want to categorize things. And then I started thinking about categorization and race. And, like, then I started thinking about, like, all those terrible terms. And, like, that's that's why I had that look on my face. Anyway, I'm not normal. I won't be normal for a while. And then I'll be back to my totally normal, wonderful self. Oh, my God. (laughs) What do you got? What do you got? Captain Fart sails again. Says we all have those daydreams where we somehow do something super wicked cool. What are yours? One of mine is that I save someone by pulling them real fast out of the way of traffic. Oh, yeah. Mine are always like physical feats. Mm-hmm. Like I can like hardcore parkour. <laughs> Climb a wall. Like legit. I'm like. Oh, yeah, I could totally scale that wall, mm-hmm. obviously. Duh. Duh. I, I'm not going to do it right I'm now. Not, I'm not going to show you that I can do it, but I can Because I'm not wearing the right it. shoes. <laughs> I'm in flippy floppies right now. Okay, when I first read this question, I was like, I don't do that. Then I remembered <laughs> this one. This is so stupid. Where I'm in a parade. Uh-huh. You know, not at the parade. I'm in, in the, the parade. parade. I'm mm-hmm. looking really cool. I'm doing a dance number, yeah. which, you know, I can't dance. Yeah. So it's like, this is a total uh-huh. fantasy land. Yeah. And then... You know, I see a toddler up ahead, and she's so excited. She starts wandering out into the middle of oh, the no. street. But, you know, the bus thing yeah. is a coming. And yeah. so I stop the choreo. I jump down. <laughs> I get the toddler just in time. I save the day. I look beautiful as I do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, you just scale a fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody's life is being saved by mine, I guess. <laughs> I guess that makes me pretty cool. I guess it does. <laughs> should we wrap it up there? Do some I think Supreme Court inductions? I think we should wrap it up there with me saving, saving the, the day, day at a and fictional parade. While doing that is it. key. I mean, I'm I'm looking great in like a crop top thing. Yeah. You know, obviously, duh. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> okay, let's see here. Got to do this fucking podcast now. Sorry, yeah, I can't keep can't talking talk about, about the parade, your, guys. This fictional Brain parade. Brain's making me move on to Supreme Court inductions. <laughs> I know you want to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> to get in touch with on this podcast, all you have to do is join at the $7 level or higher. <laughs> Why do you seem angry? Did I say it like I was angry? To get inducted on this podcast. <laughs> 
I didn't mean it angrily. I'm sorry. I think there's a demon inside you. 42 demons. Mm-hmm. One devil. Well, then that's not Way so bad. Way more manageable. <laughs> yeah, that's not so bad. Quit complaining. Uh, we are reading your names and your favorite cookies. Rachel Gladys. Salted Caramel Chunk. Aaron Rex. Double Doozy from Great American Cookies. What's Great American Cookies? What's a Double Doozy? I don't know. Well, I, well, let's find out where first, and then we know what to order. <laughs> <laughs> let's be organized. <laughs> Aaron Schaefer. My favorite cookie is officially the Brandy Recipe chocolate chip cookies, but instead of adding more chocolate chips for the nut portion, I added chopped up Reese's Thins. Best cookies ever. Oh, I think that sounds pretty good. Brandy's looking a little threatened. Um, she's looking a little like she's not up for parkour right now. <laughs> Lissa Gwynn. Snickerdoodle with pecans. Carolina. Homemade chocolate chip. Mariah. Double stuffed Oreo. Edith. French macaroons. Mm. Tiffany Merson. Apple pie farmhouse cookies. What's that? I have no idea. Saffron. Peanut butter cookies. Everybody's wild about saffron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Reina Paniagua. Very good. Deep fried Oreos. <laughs> the devil. Um, has a frying station at the county fair. Kate Janusz. Pumpkin bacon chocolate chunk. Oh, is that a joke, Kate? Is that? That seems like way that too sounds many things disgusting. happening there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we shouldn't insult the people who pay us. Sandra C. I'm already. Emmy. I'm already to eat some cookies. <laughs> <laughs> More variant cookies. <laughs> what is that? She says, like gingerbread, but better. And who are we to question? Kaylee Code. Those Coconut Dad's Cookie Rings you never find anymore. God, they were good. Coconut Dad's Cookies Rings? That sounds like a figment of... I bet they served that at the parade where I (laughs) save a toddler. (laughs) Aaron Griffiths. Eggnog Cookies. L. Goldstein. Chocolate Chip. Jaws Wind. Loft House Sugar Cookies. Nessa Rodriguez. Peanut Butter. Alexandria Lombardi. Soft batch cream cheese chocolate cookie. That's a lot of things, but it sounds good. Kaylee Chavis. Palmiers from Costco. Welcome to the Supreme Court. Man, what a good episode. I don't think you're supposed to say that about your own episode. We really did it this time. (laughs) Thank you for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And then head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And then be sure to join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. For real, I thought this was really this fun. A very fun I, episode. <laughs> we rarely talk about the devil, but we should do that more. <laughs> and now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from an NPR article by Theodore Johnson III, a TED Talk, an article in The Atlantic by Angela Anwachi Willig, an article in the Notre Dame News by Heidi Ardizone, and Earl Lewis, Wikipedia, 
and a video by Melina Pendulum on YouTube. What? Yes, that's right. By Melina Pendulum on YouTube. Princess Weeks on Patreon. I got my info from an article by Lynn Darling for the Washington Post. An article for All That's Interesting by Marco Margaritoff. Oxygen.com, Newsweek, News Times, and Wikipedia. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. Woo!